The following sermon was delivered to Christ Central Church in order to further our knowledge and adoration of who God is. We pray that it displays the hope found in Christ and strengthens your faith in Him. Have a copy of God's Word, would you uh, join me? Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. If you find your way there, just um, want to give a, a heartfelt congratulations to some folks of which are not in here, neither of them. But um, Amanda graduated yesterday, University of Montevallo, and so we. Rejoice with her, all her hard work, and graduated with her bachelor's degree. And Caleb McKee graduated with his master's um, in counseling. So I know it's been a long, hard road for for both of them, but um, well done. Well done. Hebrews chapter 5, starting in verse 11. About this, we have much to say. And it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. But though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Writer of Hebrews, in these chapters that we have here, before us is showing his readers the superiority of the priesthood of Christ. That he is the better Aaron, that he is the better high priest. But he pauses right in the middle of it and he takes what is called a a parenthetical break. You can see how he begins to do this in verse 11, where he says, About this, we have much to say. About this, we have much to say. About what? About the priesthood of Christ, there is much to say. Not just the priesthood of Christ, but the priesthood of Christ as it relates to the priesthood of Melchizedek. You'll remember where we ended last week. He begins to lay out how Jesus has fulfilled all of these requirements of the Old Testament. And he answers this requirement of tribe, that Jesus, by birth, was not from Aaron's tribe, not from Levi, but he was from Judah. And so the high priest came through Aaron, How then could Jesus? Well, Jesus' priesthood supersedes the Aaronic priesthood, the priesthood of Aaron, because his priesthood traces back to this shadowy Old Testament figure of Melchizedek that we meet in 
Genesis chapter 14, the story of Abraham as he meets this man and is blessed by him who is both king of Salem, that is Jerusalem, and priest, this man Melchizedek. And there's much mystery around this figure of Melchizedek. This is where he is in verse 10. And then in verse 11, he says about this, there is much that we could say about Jesus' priesthood, about how his priesthood relates to the priesthood of Melchizedek. But before he can continue, and he will, he takes some time to essentially rebuke his readers. He offers them some correction. He calls them out. He chastises them. For what is he rebuking them? For what is he chastising them for? It is because of their spiritual immaturity. And so it's priesthood of Jesus related to Melchizedek and then stop. I need to address some things with you and then back into it. Does that make sense? So it's a a parenthetical break. And this will go on, this this parenthetical break, this chastisement. Um, Through the end of of chapter 5, obviously, and down through the majority of of chapter 6. And there are primarily three things that the writer is instructing them about. And here they are. The problem with spiritual immaturity. You see this problem in chapter 5, verses 11, 12, 13. Somewhat into 14. The problem with spiritual immaturity. And then he gives the pathway to spiritual maturity. Spiritual immaturity is a problem. Here is the pathway to spiritual maturity. And that will go from chapter 5, verse 14, through chapter 6, verse 3. And then thirdly, the, the peril of apostasy. And that will be chapter 6, verses 4 through 12. Now, I can tell you for certain that those are not the three points of my sermon this morning. There's, there's no possible way we will work through this in one week. Chances are that, that this will be um, sort of a, a three-week mini-series. We've done this a number of times in the book of Hebrews, a three-week mini-series through this this parenthetical break as we look at the problem of spiritual maturity, the pathway, or spiritual immaturity, the pathway to spiritual maturity, and the peril of apostasy. But um, I, I, I do ask for your patience because there's a high probability it will be more than three sermons. It will be more than three sermons. But this is where we're headed over the next little while together. And so we begin where he begins in this section with the problem of spiritual immaturity. That's our our topic today in the text. He writes in verse 11, about this we have much to say and it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. The writer wants to share these truths with them. He wants to continue to unfold before them the, the beauty and the majesty and the mystery of Jesus Christ as our high priest. And 
all of the mystery wrapped up in his work, in his relationship to Melchizedek and how he's there before the throne of God even now on our behalf, his priestly work on the cross, his sacrifice. He, he wants to go on and share all of these truths with them, but he doesn't feel like he can. He doesn't feel like he can. Why? Well, the reason is because these things are hard to explain. About this, which we have much to say, and it is hard to explain. Now, it may seem that that means that these truths are hard to communicate, are hard to grasp, right? These things are hard to explain, so I can't explain them to you. We could read that and we could see then, then, then that means that they're, they're beyond our understanding or that the writer of Hebrews is not equipped enough to be able to communicate them in a way that they can hear and understand. You certainly can relate to that, having one who's not equipped well enough to explain all of these marvelous truths. But the problem isn't in the message. The problem isn't in the context or in the content. The problem isn't in the teaching. The problem isn't in the truths. The problem is in the hearers. That's the problem. The reason why they're hard to explain it's not because there's a deficiency in the truths or a deficiency in the Spirit's ability to communicate the truths. The problem lies in the hearers of the truth. About this, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain. Why? Since you have become dull of hearing, the problem is that they have become dull in their hearing. I want to tell you so much more, dear people, but I can't. Because it's difficult to explain to someone who has become dull in their hearing. Now, what does that mean to be dull in hearing? Is that a, a physical infirmity? We just read about, man, I was reading that and I heard it can't let the hair of their head fall long, and I thought, man, I got that one covered. I got to have much hair. I don't have to worry about that. And then I got to the rest, and it was like, oh, yeah, I'm out. I'm out. No, this isn't a, a physical dullness in hearing. It's not a physical problem. We come to understand what it means because the same word is used just translated a little differently in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12. So that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. This word here, translated sluggish, is the same word used for dull of hearing. It means that you have become lazy. You have become complacent. You have stopped progressing. You are dull in your hearing. And because you have become lazy, because you have become complacent, because you have stopped progressing, you are falling backwards. 
Remember, this is the, the overall call so far, right? Do not fall back. Hold fast and do not fall back. And he's writing to say, dear church, you're falling backwards because you have become lazy in your spiritual maturity. You have become spiritually immature. That's his correction. He says so, following verses. For though by this time you ought to be teachers... You need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child, but solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. You can see the image he's he's painting for them, and it's not a pretty one. You have become lazy, church. You've become dull in your hearing. And now you are a bunch of grown people sitting around in diapers, sucking on bottles. That's who you have become. You are children. You are spiritual Infants, you can't understand because you're not trying. You can't understand because you don't really care. You are content to sit in your filth and take as little as possible from the Word of God. You know, there's a big difference between a person who doesn't care and one who tries but struggles. Right? If you're a teacher, you know the difference. You know the difference in a student who just doesn't care and one who really does care but struggles. The one who really does care, you take extra time and patience with. And they struggle and you come alongside and you help and you nurture and you teach and you instruct. But the one who doesn't care, it's a different story. These are not folks that care but are struggling to grasp or understand these truths. No, these are people who just don't care. They are lazy, they are careless, and they are content with where they are. I want you to notice the language that is used here. You have become... You have become dull of hearing. This means that they haven't always been this way. That there was a point in which where they heard the word of the Lord. They heard the gospel of truth and they received it with great joy. And they began to grow as a a seed planted in healthy soil. And the things of God were beautiful to them. The word of the Lord was important in their life. But over time, 
they have become dull of hearing. This has been a process. This means that it doesn't happen automatically. It is. The problem of spiritual immaturity is a slow fade. What once was characterized by spiritual vigor has become a spiritual paralysis. They just won't grow up. They are content with a diet of milk devoid of meat. I would say that if there was ever an indictment of the American church, this is it. You want to know why there's so much entertainment in the church today? This is why. Because pastors think that they've got to get creative to make people want to eat. Because our churches are full of spiritual infants. And so what are we forced to do? We're forced to water it down so that it can be put in a bottle and fed to them. What's the writer say? The writer says, by now, you ought to be teachers. By now, you should be a teacher. Now, he isn't saying that they all should be elders. It's not that the Hebrew church should just be a church full of nothing but elders. But his, his point is that their lives, their spiritual maturity should be such that they are able to teach others the basic principles of God's Word. That by now, they should be able to pass these things along. That their spiritual lives should be marked by a diligence in listening and understanding and applying the things of God so that as opportunity arises in their homes, in their workplaces, in their classrooms, with their friends, with their family, with their co-workers, as opportunity arises, they are able to pass along the things that they are learning from God's Word. By now, church, you should be... Teachers, don't read that and think that, well, this is just for folks like Jason and Jacob. Right? This is just for the guys that have been to seminary. Wrong. This letter wasn't just written to the elders, it was written to the church. And the command is that every believer should be maturing in such a way to where they are able to teach others. What does the Word of God say? Older women, you should teach younger women. Older men, you should teach younger men. We all have a responsibility to come alongside one another. Again, how are we to hold fast to the gospel that we've heard. We are to hold fast together. That's Hebrews. As we come alongside one another and help one another and instruct one another, you should be teachers by now. But instead, you need someone to teach you again 
the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. You should be teachers. But instead, you got to have somebody come along and teach you again just the basic principles of the oracles of God. You know, this tells us something about the Christian life that is important. And that is that there are certain doctrinal foundations that are necessary to understand other spiritual truths, right? I mean, that's the implication here. That there are basic foundational doctrine, basic foundational theological truths that are necessary for us to understand before other doctrine and theological truths can be added onto them. Theology and doctrine build on one another. And that there are certain truths that require an understanding. So that leads me to the question to say, well, what are those things? Well, the good news is that the writer of Hebrews takes us through those in the beginning of chapter 6. We don't have time this morning to look at them in depth. We'll get to them next week. But they are just the, the grand story of redemption. Things like repentance, faith, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and the judgment that is to come. Basic foundational truths of what God is doing, of what it means to repent of your sins, of who Christ is, of what faith is. Basic truths of His death, burial, and resurrection. The basic truth that we will all stand before Him one day. These are the basic principles. By now, you should be able to pass those along, but because you're content with where you are, you're falling backwards. Your children. And you need spiritual milk. For spiritual infants. You know, if there's anything this church knows pretty well, it's infants. They just keep getting added by God's grace. You know, for an infant, milk is a good thing, right? I mean, it would be absolute insanity to take your infant child and to put before them a T-bone steak, and say, enjoy. Why? Because they're incapable. Even if they could have managed the dexterity and the, the ability to cut and pick it up and get it to their mouth, they don't have any teeth. Right? And their mother's milk is a good thing. It would be insane to give them anything else. They need their mother's milk. Not only would it be insane to give them that, it would be death to them. But at some point, we have to grow up. At some point, our children move beyond 
simply getting their sustenance from milk. That's the writer of Hebrews' point is, at some point, you have to grow up spiritually. At some point, we have to grow in our understanding. At some point, we have to grow in our obedience. At some point, we have to grow in our love of Christ and His Word. At some point, we have to become mature. Now, Al Mohler makes an important point here that there's a big difference between childlikeness and childishness. And we might read these verses and think, but doesn't the Lord Jesus Christ commend childlikeness? And the answer to that question is, yes, he does. He does so in Matthew chapter 18, starting at verse 1. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus commends a childlikeness, a childlike faith. That if you are going to come into, be welcomed into the kingdom of God, that it takes a childlike faith. What does that mean? It means a total and utter dependence on someone else. And that someone else is Christ Jesus. That you don't come into the kingdom of God with your own self-sufficiency. You come into the kingdom of God as a child. One with a sure hope in someone greater. One with a dependence on someone greater. One without any pretense but simple humility. I'm needy. I have nothing to offer. Would you take me? A simple trust. Because we know that we have a need. And we know that Christ is the only one who can supply that need. That's childlikeness. The writer of Hebrews isn't talking about childlikeness. The writer of Hebrews is talking about childishness. Childishness is a refusal to grow up. A refusal to be grown. But instead, be immature. You know, there is no disappointment in a child being a child. There's no disappointment in that. There might be at times, mom and dad, some frustrations. But children are children. They've got to be taught. They've got to be nurtured. They've got to be corrected. They've got to be loved. They've got to be instructed. They've got to be trained. Children are going to be children. We don't sit back in disappointment. Oh, you colored outside the lines. You were supposed to do your taxes. That's silly. I can't, I can't fill out a 
W-2? They can't even color the lines. There's no disappointment in a child being a child. But there is major disappointment in adults acting like children. That's his point. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need somebody else to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. This is the exact same metaphor that the Apostle Paul uses in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not ready for it, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? Paul says the same exact thing to the church at Corinth. The church of Corinth wasn't childlike, they were childish. And their childishness manifested itself because they lacked a self-control. Right? Children lack self-control. That's one of the marks of being an adult. That's one of the marks of being a man. Being able to control yourself. They lacked self-control. What does Paul say? They were driven by the desires of the flesh. They would not grow up. I wanted to address you as spiritual people. I couldn't because you were people of the flesh as infants in Christ. You take that text, you put it with... Writer of Hebrews. The writer of Hebrews describes them as being unskilled in the word of righteousness. You have in Corinth, you're a bunch of spiritual babies because you're, you're just following the desires of your flesh. You're acting out of flesh and not spirit. And in Hebrews, you're a bunch of babies because you're unskilled in the word of righteousness. Meaning that these Hebrews people, they did not know what righteousness was because they're unskilled in the word of righteousness. They're unskilled in the word of God, which gives instruction to what is right and what is wrong. You don't know it. You're unskilled. You're children. You're not growing. You're being driven by your flesh. If you don't know what righteousness is, then you cannot know what is right and what is wrong. Here's the point. Spiritual immaturity leads to a moral decay. Spiritual immaturity leads to moral immaturity to a lack of righteousness, to being driven by 
the flesh and not by the spirit. To be immature doctrinally and theologically puts you at great danger of moral decay. I'm almost 40. I'm a young guy. Never in my life, and I don't even have that much, have I seen a desire to say that what is explicitly wrong according to God's word is right. And what is right according to God's word is wrong. And the church can stand back and we can look at the culture and we can, we can identify all of these areas of moral decay that are happening around us at a, at a staggering pace. And we can point our fingers and say, look at these idiots. But it started in the spiritual immaturity of our churches. I don't mean this personally to anybody. I know there are some here with some mainstream doctrinal backgrounds or or histories. I don't mean it personally towards you. But just if you would, take a look at the United Methodist Church. We give out of spiritual maturity on small things. Out of spiritual immaturity on small things. Seemingly small things. And when one domino falls, there's a whole host that fall afterwards. We lose the sense of what is right and what is wrong. Because we are unskilled in the word of righteousness. To be immature doctrinally and theologically puts you at great danger for moral decay. The writer of Hebrews makes this point explicit in the next verse. Solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Solid food, Paul calls it meat. It's for the mature. Meaning that it's meat, it's solid, it requires work. It requires some energy, it requires some some chewing, right? I mean, it's much harder to eat a steak than to drink some milk. These Hebrew people... Lazy, not doing the work, dull in hearing, sluggish, lazy, complacent, content, dull. You need meat, church. You need to do the work. You need to put in the energy. You need to do some chewing. You need to digest some things. This is for the mature, Paul says, the, or the writer of Hebrews. Could have been Paul. Those who have their powers of discernment trained. 
their powers of discernment trained. Just an interesting phrase. Those who have their powers of discernment, they're able to discern by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. What do we see? We see churches that have lost their power to discern. Their power to discern. It starts with something like, out of, man, a, a good desire, I understand it, to ordain a, a, a female into the office of a pastor. It starts there. And before long, you see mainstream denominations ordaining homosexuals and trans-identifying people. There's no constant practice of discernment to distinguish good from evil, right from wrong, flesh from spirit, godly from the ungodly. power to discern, according to the writer of Hebrews, is the mark of spiritual maturity. The fact that you know, because the Word of God is in you, the Word of righteousness is in you, you know what is good and what is evil. My goodness, if we were ever in need of this ability, it is now. Our culture is hell-bent on defining what God says as evil as good and what God says is good as evil. And we, as the people of God, we must know what God says, why He says it, what it means, and why we should obey Him. We need to be clear and compelling and convicted We need to have a constant practice of it. We need to grow up. What is your life characterized by? A spiritual maturity or a spiritual immaturity? Are you an infant? sitting in a diaper wanting only the bare minimum? Or are you growing into godly men and women? What is your life characterized by? A constant practice in discernment according to the word of righteousness or laziness, spiritual infancy, milk or solid food? Are you able to teach others or do you need the basics over and over and over again because you have grown dull in your hearing, spiritually complacent? If so, You are in great danger. You're in great danger. But there is good news. 
And the good news is that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens and is now at the right hand of God on our behalf. And that through him, we can approach the throne of God with boldness and courage and find in him all that we need. And when we come to him as children, needy and humble, we receive from him all that we need. But then we need to grow, to put in the effort, to spend time in God's word, to spend time in prayer, to spend time with one another, to hear and by God's grace, understand and grow in our powers of discernment. Father, would you help us in this task? We are in such need for it. It is easy to stand and to point our fingers outwardly at a culture or other denominations. But Father, may we in this moment look inwardly into our very own hearts to see if inside of us there is any laziness, any complacency, any spiritual immaturity, any infancy. Are we content to sit in our filth and take only the bare minimum? Or are we eager to feast at the table of your word. God, may we be a people, may we be a place marked by a power of discernment that comes from constant practice so that we are able to discern good from evil. Not, Lord, so that we can sit on our moral high horse and condemn those around us, but so that through us, through our lives, through our actions, you and you alone would be glorified. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Christ Central Church sermon series. To find our gathering location and more sermons, visit ChristCentralChurch.net.